0: Hi there, Menor Missionary Baptist Church. It's good to be with you today. The video, uh, talking about our sermon this week, we wrapped up Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians a long time uh, together. I hear, listen, I hear the complaints of some people of how long we are in Ephesians. I think they think they do it in secret and in private, but nobody can keep their mouth shut. Secrets get spilled and it gets to me like, I can't wait to get out of Ephesians. Those are just people, I guess, who don't understand how good the book was. Wow. Or yeah, I just didn't do a good enough job explaining, I guess. I think we gave them plenty of breaks too. Yeah, because I think we did Jonah. Did we do Esther while we've been in this? I don't know. You did Christmas. We've Easter. done Christmas. Yeah, we've done Easter take, twice. Take breaks for summer in the Psalms. We did a missions thing in January. One of the Januarys. Yeah, we've done the Psalms. We've done Psalms. We've took tons of breaks. Right. I, I said this was our forty-fourth message, so we didn't even do a full year of Ephesians. Right. Right. Uh, so there was there was a lot of breaks uh, in there. Uh, but it is a, it was a good book. And so we spent a little bit this week of recapping um, the book of Ephesians. Uh, so talking about, you know, the first three chapters, doctrine, theology, a lot of stuff there. We're in Christ, what God has done for us. Uh, you see some big words, theological words, uh, right off the bat, election, predestined, uh, grace and faith and love and peace. Uh, start talking about unity. Uh, unity in Christ we see stuff on the Holy Spirit being sealed with the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit and what do these things mean? What does it talk about and so Paul really ran the gamut with stuff uh, in Ephesians and as we get later in the book start saying if this is true you know if this is really what God has done and you now are a part of his family, you've been adopted into his family this is how then his family functions and what it looks like and how it should play out and obviously none of us are perfect we struggle. With things in our life, but generally, this is how we should be trying to live our life as as Christians. And so he talked about it in terms of marriage, or uh, parents and children, or slaves and slave masters. Um, so just a man, a lot of different areas that we have been in uh, with the Book of Ephesians, but it's been fun um, going going through it. Uh, so preached a sermon, I guess, on the last few verses. It's the final. Greetings of Paul as he wraps up his wraps up his letter, and it says, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I think sometimes I'll see pastors like preach uh, passages something like this and think, "All right, they're just kind of stretching this out, trying to get another one in." What are you going <laughs> to do with the greeting? You know, with the first part, it's like he's just saying bye. That's all you know he's doing. But there really is some stuff there uh, when you dive in, and when you think about the fact that this is a letter, and Paul started his letter a certain way. He started his letter by praising God and sharing a doxology uh, about God. And he now ends with a benediction, writing to this to this church a blessing on the church. And the doxology and the blessing are very similar. They're very similar in a ways. So it's like Paul started this letter saying, uh, "God of grace, you know, this is what I'm basically going to talk to you about." He talks about who God is. This is what He has done. Now this is how you're going to live. And then he reminds them. It seems at the end, you know, by saying peace to you, which comes from God, love with faith, God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and grace. It right, he talks about grace, uh, this, this big word of, of grace. Uh, so let's tackle this, I guess, how we, how we did uh, in the sermon. I started off by uh, saying, why did Paul, you know, why did he write the letter? And first, it seems, Paul says here, I want you to know how I am doing, you know, what I am doing. And so it says he sends a faithful minister, a faithful brother in the Lord, Tychicus, uh, to To this church. Now, some could say that I took a little rabbit trail talking about Tychicus, and i sure maybe uh, might have, uh, but it was interesting studying him and seeing that he is in Scripture and other places, and it seems like, and I didn't really know this before that, if I'm being honest with you, Tychicus seems like he was a really close friend with Paul. Uh, when you see he was on at least the third missionary journey with Paul the whole time. He was in jail with Paul, Twice now, I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if that meant it doesn't seem like Tychicus was in jail because he gets to then go and take the letters to places. But he was taking care of Paul maybe while he was in prison. He was with Paul, and Paul trusted him enough that it seems Tychicus probably was the one who penned a lot of these letters. So as Paul was talking, he's the one writing this stuff down, and then he's the one given the um, encouragement and the trust that's put into him to take the letter to these different churches. Chances are to read it, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, maybe the pastor of the church would read it when they got it, but then you would have to think, also help explain uh, what Paul was talking about uh, and what was going on there, and so there was a lot of, uh, a lot of trust uh, with Tychicus. How how about you guys? You guys know much about Tychicus at all? No? Scott's shaking his head no? Just what you shared on something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. No. No, Spencer? No. Oh.
1: No, I don't think there's any dissertations that have really been written on it either. <laughs> there could be. There, um, yeah, I mean, maybe you know, could do that. Yeah. that would be, that'd be a good topic, I guess, study all those <laughs> verses that relate to him. And Yeah. But what I think you did on Sunday was
2: a really helpful, if anything, example of what a person can do when they're reading through a passage of scripture, especially like even a like you said, pastors, like when they get to the end of a book, they're like, okay, let's just wrap this up. You know, sermon or whatever, I think people probably do that when they're reading a book of the Bible for themselves. Mm-hmm. But what you did was show just how much information there is when you come across a name like Tychicus of, well, well, who is that? And all it takes is a quick search, you know, or a little bit of research to see, wow, like this is actually a pretty important guy. You know, he didn't write any of the books of the Bible. He dictated them through Paul. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have a pretty big influence on yep. that first mm-hmm. century church there, you know, and that was... Really encouraging information, and what you the way you brought that to us was that we should pray for more people like this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, that was good and a good example, helpful. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it helps. I think it helps people yeah. understand that these guys were real. They they were real people, just like yeah. you and I were, you know. And God used them and they had different roles and different tasks and i think that that came and i think you know the context that you brought out was good because it's like okay who is this guy he's mentioned here but he, look here's the bigger story and that helps people get into that story if you will and put put hands and feet to it so i think it was good
0: yeah and if one wonders like how do you find this out how do you study this did you did i just Read the whole Bible this week and mark every time Tychicus's name came up. The answer to that is no, I didn't do that. Probably could have done a Google search, which maybe I did. I don't. I don't remember. I'm, I might have looked up some articles or something that people had wrote on him. But uh, one of the first things I did is I have a like a Bible encyclopedia set, and I just looked his name up there, and it was there, and they had all the references that he is in the passage, and you know, I don't, I don't know. It had maybe two or three small paragraphs about him that pulled out like he probably was on this journey with Paul, probably was this and so then that just leads to more look. Like you look in these passages, oh yeah, there his name is, you know, and here's this and um <clears throat> it just led to some interesting things. Like it it it's neat to see he was like an interim pastor. Timothy has to go do something. He's like well, what's this church gonna do? Oh, Digicus maybe will jump in. And so he travels over to Ephesus and does that. Oh, Titus needs to leave and he's pastor in this church in Crete. What about Tychicus? Okay, yeah, sure, I'll go do it. You know, it's just it's just interesting, you know, and if we if we had a so we have a letter to Timothy and we have a letter of Paul to Titus. So we think of them as these figures, high figures. We don't have a letter to Tychicus, but it seems like he was with Paul a lot, maybe even more than Timothy and and Titus were, and Paul really trusted him. It was a close companion of his. Uh, you know, if there was like pastor's luncheons back then, Titicus and Paul are rolling up together. Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah, bringing the tea <laughs> bell there. Yeah. Yeah. Here they come. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, I just, in, in studying him, but what, what came out was like, yeah, this guy's forgotten. You know, he, I'd never really heard of him. Uh, his name's at the end here, but I don't know. It's a name you probably can't even pronounce right. And you just kind of pass by it and, for most of us in our Christian faith in our life will be forgotten. I mean, I guess we all dream of having our names remembered. We know we all dream of being the next, you know, Martin Luther to do this big thing, you know, or whatever it might be. But most Christians, ninety nine point nine percent. That's not how it is. You live your life faithfully, which it seems Tichikis did. As God opens doors, you take those doors and you do the things that He calls you to do. And you live a good, faithful life. And God then uses that, you know, and, and he'll use that in who knows what ways. And probably not for your name to be known and remembered, but for the gospel to keep going forward. And, uh, and so we just need to try to emulate that the best we can and pray that God would uh, give us more people like him uh, to, to serve alongside of him. And, and so it had to be a comforting thing for Paul to know that he had a close companion that he could then send off to these churches. While he's in chains, he can't go. But these churches that he loves, and to send a, a faithful brother, and to know, number one, he's going to give this letter to where I want it to go. He's going to tell them what I'm talking about. But also, he says in here, to encourage your hearts. He's going to be an encourager to them. He's not going to go and be mean to them or whatever. He's he's going to actually love these people just like Paul did. And so what a comfort that had to be to Paul to know that that was going to continue on even even when he was bound up, and so we just have that here in Titus. So Paul writes this letter again to say, "I want I want them to know how I'm doing," and so I'm sending Titus to, to help with that. All right. The second thing, though, oh, is that Paul wants them to know God, and and to love God. There's an int- uh, so we mentioned these words, okay? Peace, love, faith, and grace. But when Paul says love, he combines love and faith together, and love with faith. And so, just we just tried to break that down this this past week. Didn't spend a ton of time on it, but but peace uh, went back to Ephesians four when Paul talked about as we know God, it it saves us from being tossed to and fro. And so, the word peace wasn't actually used in that section, but I felt that that section best helped us to understand the peace that we're talking about because. In life, we definitely are going to be tossed about. There's going to be things thrown at us all the time. There's going to be these curveballs. There's going to be difficult days. There's going to be easy days and good days. Uh, But as a Christian, what we've been given uh, in Christ is we've been given this peace to be able to understand maybe a little more of what's going on. Or even this, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why this is happening. But I know this, God is sovereign. God has a plan. God is good. The Bible says all things work together for good. And so there is some good. I, I may not understand what that good is. I may not understand exactly what's going on, but I trust in God and I trust in this. Therefore, I can have peace about about this in a in a sense. It still hurts. Whatever. It's still difficult. But there is a, a peace to that. And I I want to stress that more and more as I as I can because I see a lot of people struggle with this, you know, they maybe can define grace. They can talk about love. um, They can talk some about faith, but in your life, peace actually plays itself out, right? People see it. You see it, you sense it. And so there actually is a real peace promised uh, by God as we know him, as we know him more. And sometimes I think people don't, uh, I don't know if the word is believe you when you say that, or if there's a lack of faith that there actually is a peace there, but you guys know what I'm talking about. When we say like, "Hey, you should be in your Bibles more," because as you read more and you know God more, you're going to have a greater peace in your life. I don't know how do you, how you guys think about this, but I just sometimes think they look at you like, "What? What are you talking about?" You know. I think it's an important reminder about this peace
2: that is possible that you can have as a believer, especially coming right after a whole section that's about spiritual warfare. And about how, you know, you are going to be enduring against the schemes of the devil. And here's how you do this. And I think somebody can read that section of Ephesians and come out of that almost a little afraid of what might come. Even knowing the armor that we've been given, that we've been clothed with. But the fact that we are engaged in spiritual warfare in various kinds and ways in our lives doesn't mean that peace for the believer is impossible. It's actually very possible. You know, that's the armor is is what helps provide that to us, I think.
0: Yeah, I know in my life, I think in my spiritual walk, people talk about all these changes and in my uh testimony, I guess, uh, I've never I never struggled with drugs and alcohol and all these different things that you hear these testimonies and you're like, Wow, God really brought you I don't really have that, but one of the things that I, I do think God has done in my life that I've seen increase more and more as I've I've understood him more and understood his word more is this part of, of peace. Um, And sometimes what I have found is that comes across as cold to people. And it's not a coldness of my heart, but it is a peace that is in my heart, I think because of a deeper understanding again of who God is and what all this creation and stuff is about and what is going on. And so when things come into my life that are difficult and hard, I I don't seem to always be floored by it or even taken back. And I don't, and I'm not saying that because I've reached some higher level. I'm just, I think that's something God has done for me again. But I, I found this happening as I, Understand doctrine more and theology more, and the person of God, who He is, His attributes, and what that means, then, and how that plays out, and the role of worship, or the what sin has done in the world—all these different things—as you get a, as you get this biblical theology and understanding worldview, and as God molds that and shapes that more—I've just seen that in my life grow, and it would, I would say, it's in a, it's in a piece, or you know, I, I understand, I guess that verse pretty clear of not being tossed to and. Fro, don't get me wrong. I feel the wave hit, but it's like, you're not gonna knock me off my feet because it's cemented on on mm-hmm. this. I don't. I don't know if you guys have something similar there or not. You guys just toss the to and fro all the time. Uh, I feel that way often, <laughs> actually. Uh, yeah. Being real. Yeah, um, no,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think what Paul's doing here is akin to what the Levites were supposed to do um, in the Old Testament to the people of Israel when they would bless. The people of Israel in in number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so there um, the Lord was instructing the Levites to put the name of God upon his people um, to pronounce this blessing, this new state of affairs upon them. They did not have to create the peace. They didn't create the grace. The Lord was saying, this is who I am to you. And that's what Paul's doing here at the tail end. He's, in a sense, you know, um, he's playing the role of the the Levite in the Old Testament and almost raising his hands up and blessing this congregation Um, in a closing letter now, but with the Lord's peace. And Paul earlier talks about peace in Ephesians. Um, He talks about um, how the Jew and Gentile were hostile to each other, but hostile to the Lord. And he says, the Lord Jesus Christ created in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Mm. So peace is not simply a possibility. It is a fact. Mm. It's a fact. And the problem with um, sometimes is when we read the Bible, we think that peace is something I need to attain to. But peace is a gift of what has been done in history. It's been accomplished. And so then he he says there, right? He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access into one spirit to the Father. And so whenever I'm tossed to and fro, I'm subjectively not peaceful. Paul is, is calling them back to what is true mm-hmm. this the, the peace that Christ has made, Mm -hmm. the peace that Christ has established. And, um, whenever we focus more on that, um, and that's what Paul is doing. Paul's, Paul's writing from a jail cell. Like you said, he's writing from prison and, and like you said, he's just talking about the armor of God. And, And if you read the book of revelation, um, you read oftentimes the, the encouragement that we are to be those who conquer we're conquering, we're in warfare. So how can we have peace if we're supposed to always be fighting the devil and fighting the forces of spiritual darkness? Will we conquer, uh, in, as we read in Revelation, through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony mm. through him? And that's what Paul is giving them again. The peace that Christ established on Calvary comes to us every day through the spirit and through the work of the word of God, I think, in our lives. That's why we, we read the Bible because we're not trying to go back to calvary it's calvary coming to us through the word by the spirit applying that peace that he accomplished and that takes daily being reminded of that receiving that and living in that and fighting the devil out of an accomplished peace reconciliation has been done Mm -hmm. tim as you were talking about that i
2: I, I mean, the, I think I've referenced this before when we've been talking about this, but the passage in Philippians um, chapters, uh, 4, verse 6 comes to mind. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there, what I feel like Paul is doing, he's comparing peace with anxiety, In a sense, like you have, you have two states of mind that you could be in. You could be in a mind of anxiousness and fear and worry about whatever it is situation you're going on, like you said. Or by going to God in prayer, making let it with thanksgiving, letting your request be made known to Him. What are you doing in that moment? You're entrusting it to the Lord. You're recognizing what He has done, like what He's established, like you said, Spencer. Mm -hmm. And you that's a basically a way of allowing that to give your mind peace and to be able to rest yeah in mm-hmm. knowing that mm-hmm. and it that's not easy that's why i think mm-hmm. he says it surpasses all understanding yeah, right. yeah. that doesn't make sense to the
3: world around you mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it's what's it's what's given to us in christ and, and furthermore i think i mean the the hebrew word for peace is shalom i think we most of us know that and shalom means to to flourish it has the idea of well flourishing and like isaiah 26 I thought of that verse three, you, you keep him in perfect peace. Actually, it's Mm. double, it's shalom, shalom, like well flourishing, flourishing, flourishing because he trusts in you. I'm sorry, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so the idea of our minds here, and I think that's, that's, that's why we get into trouble. That's why we get into the Mm. toss to and fro because our mind gets off of Mm -hmm. Christ and we get, we look at circumstances, we Mm -hmm. look at, um, our, outward stuff instead of like Mm -hmm. oh wait a second I have shalom it's one of the fruit of the spirit you know Mm -hmm. fruit of the spirit is peace right and it's one of the reasons why
2: you know what Tim you said a a second ago of like we say read your bible it's not that the act of reading your bible earns you something it's it puts your mind on the things of God like you 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 mentioned the mind I'm like this passage that I read from Philippians Mm -hmm. is talking about the mind Mm -hmm. it's Like when you're reading scripture, when you're going to the Lord, you're meditating on his word. That's doing something to your mind. Yes. And what you're
0: thinking about.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I even mentioned that Sunday. I mean, that's a big part of why the writer in Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. It's Mm because we remind each other of who we are, what God has done. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, uh, I didn't mention this in the sermon, but in one of the books I was reading said, said just the truth. Paul's writing to a church that for the next three and a half centuries, the religion that they're participating in is illegal. <laughs> yeah. And he's telling them have peace, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. live in a world with peace, something we've never experienced or even understand what that means, you know. and uh, But that's what he's saying to them. Was it this week I talked about, you know, someone could come, someone come in the church and renounce God or yeah. you're going to die. I'd love to say I'll stand boldly and die. I'll take it but i've never i've never been through that i've never experienced that these people had a realistic understanding of what that could be like and not just not just uh, at their church but in their home or wherever they were at uh, they really faced this but yet paul's encouraging them through the holy spirit have peace mm-hmm. though and and mm-hmm. what god has done for you and all this that stuff that we just talked about mm-hmm. you are in christ and so and so have peace and then he he goes on he says love love with faith and so, um, this understanding that our our faith is based off of the love of God that He has for us, we we see this in His Word, we understand this, and we know this, and we have faith that He does love us. And this is where, sadly, a lot of people get hung up. as you tell them the love of God, and their response is, "There's no way God loves me." Yep. They just can't believe that. Um, there's something holding them, something holding them back, something convincing them that this just isn't for them. And so, having faith in Christ and what he has has done again isn't a blind faith it's not an ignorant faith it's a very much so a faith of understanding a faith of knowledge uh, of this is what who God says he is this is who God says what he says he has done for us do you believe this has been done for you and we get that gift of faith of understanding having our eyes open to this truth and saying yes I have faith that that is that that is for me as audacious as that sounds maybe to a lot of people Mm -hmm. I think that what Jesus did 2000 some years ago actually implies to me and my Mm -hmm. life and what I need to answer all my problems. Mm -hmm. All my problems are found completely safe and secure than in, in him and what he has done. That is the faith that I have. And so when Paul mentions love with faith, as we have our, our faith in that and we say, this is what God has done for me that then results in, an understanding of his love for us. So this isn't necessarily our love for God. What Paul's talking about here is God's love for us results in this in this faith. You know, it's not I'm going to keep mustering my faith up enough that I love God more. No, it's I have faith that God loves me that much. And when I understand that he really loves mm-hmm. me that much, in turn what happens is I love him. Mm-hmm. I love him back. And mm-hmm. so that that's why uh we coupled that together I coupled mm-hmm. that together. There's four words again, but these two go together anything else on that before we move on to grace okay so then so then he ends with uh grace be with all who love our lord jesus christ with love uncorruptible incorruptible uh ian hamilton read this again he says grace is god's undeserved kindness and mercy to judgment deserving sinners Grace is a word we talk about all the time. We've talked about it on this podcast. Churches talk about it everywhere. I see it on shirts. I hear people, whatever, all the time. Probably, though, also one of the most misunderstood, it seems, as we live it out, uh, it seems like we don't fully understand it because we continue to try to earn it. We will say it's a free gift. We will say it's undeserved. We'll say this, but all of us, I would say, at some point struggle or fall back into the fact that that I'm trying to earn it. Even going back, Scott, to what you said, we don't read our Bibles to earn something. See, when we start doing that, what are we doing? We're cheapening grace. We're taking away. We're taking away grace. And grace is an undeserved, an undeserved gift that God that God gives us. And we have to keep going to that and being reminded of that. And that's one of those things that uh, you talk about, uh, Scott. We have to. You talked about the mind. This is where I think being a part of church service regularly, being with Christians regularly and Bible study regularly, where people might say, okay, I know what grace is. Let's move on. It's like we can never move on from this because I guarantee within seconds you will start living a way that shows you are not living in grace, but you're trying to earn it again because that is just our natural tendency to fight that for some reason, and we have to be reminded again and again and again and be told, brother, take rest. In the Lord his grace is on you right he 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 has given his son for you stop trying to earn this you can't earn it just bask in his love and love him back we we have to con- I have to constantly be reminded of that and I'm sure others do as well
2: well I mean the act of setting your mind on something is not a one time thing mm-hmm. it's something that you have to continually do and work at right mm-hmm. and so yeah I mean it's that's why we don't tell people like god you know you don't have an extra dose of forgiveness or grace just mm-hmm. because you came to church every Sunday in mm-hmm. one month but you probably are able to easier
1: put your mind on the things of god because mm-hmm. you did that yeah right mm-hmm. well and, and grace is is simply god's favor that's all it is it's not a sometimes we think of grace as a substance as if it's a a block of something it, it's simply god's favor and kind disposition towards the unworthy and the guilty And so the old writers would talk about reading your Bible or going to church as means of grace. That's how the word and the idea is, is this is a means, a way in which God has ordained and told you that you can know better and learn more about his favor that he's given you in Jesus. And so reading the Bible is not a work whereby you Mm -hmm. earn something. It's a means by which you enjoy the gift he's given.
0: Yeah, so explain, Church, sir, yeah. if you don't mind, explain real quick. Like We had Lord's Supper this yeah, week, so how is
1: that? It's a means of grace because it's a way in which God, through a visible uh, bread and the cup, is reminding us of his sacrifice and his favor that he's shown us in his son's death on the cross for us. It's like the wedding mm-hmm. ring. It's where God reminds us of his eternal vows to us that he will be our God. He will forgive us of our sins and he sent his son to die on the cross for us. And it's also a means then in response to that, that we we're so we just express gratitude and we are, we say, yeah, we are your people. It's this, it's actually a meal. Mm -hmm. It's a communion meal and God brings us to the table to sit with him. Mm -hmm. We have peace
0: with God. Yeah. That's good. But Paul goes on and we have to talk about this real, real briefly. Uh, But there is a kind of a clause there about grace be with all, and it doesn't end there. And that's important. There's no period after all. It continues on. Who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now, this could come across as, wait a second, I thought grace was free, but now it's saying I have to do something. So how do we balance this out? How How does this work out? Grace to all who love him incorruptible.
1: Well, obviously it can't mean that you love him perfectly Mm. as you ought. Um, because uh, no one could fulfill that. So that can't be what Paul means. I've heard it before said, and I think, um, R.C. Sproul, I've heard would I think he's, he would say this to people who struggle with assurance. And one of the things he would ask somebody, first of all, do you love the Lord? Um, do you think, how does it go? Do you think you should love the Lord Jesus? And if they answered yes, of course, you're going to say yes. Well, do you love him perfectly as you should? And he says, if there are, if he said, I've only met maybe one person who said yes, they <laughs> yeah. do. But he's like, you know, if you're a real believer, you realize you shouldn't, you don't love him as you should. And he says, but do you love him at all? And the reality is, is as believers, we realize our love is inadequate, it's it's always flimsy and and the but the amazing thing is is that flimsy love that we feel is actually because it's preserved and fueled by the Holy Spirit created by the Holy Spirit is love that will not corrupt ultimately
3: and, and furthermore this the word incorruptible I mean literally can be stripped down to mean sincerely mm. as in you know what grace is the gift But if we're sincere, not perfect, not trying to perform to get it, but we have a sincerity in our heart, which, you know, Jesus blessed are those Mm -hmm. who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but there's a sincerity there. I think that's what Paul is saying. It's not about trying to be perfected here, but those who love the Lord Jesus with sincerity, that is that you're the recipients of the grace because you have the sincere heart, you know? And so I think it's not about trying really hard, but sincerity, you know, I, I want to, I want to give my best to Christ because he gave his best to me. It's not trying to work and perform and merit, but rather just be sincere. And I think that's, mm. I think that's a good, because we, it's helpful. Yeah. Because yeah. we focus on, we hear those words incorruptible. We hear these words, you know, we must be perfect in Christ. And we think, oh man, <laughs> Yeah. I've I blown it, you know, but if we kind of understand, mm-hmm. oh, wait a second, sincere, I can be sincere because that's all about the heart, you know, not performance. Mm-hmm.
2: So I think one of the things you brought out in your sermon, Tim, that was a helpful way to think about, because we often will come across passages that challenge us to examine ourselves. And one of the things that's brought up here is not just, do you believe the truths of the gospel? Like we always want to preach that. That's important. But this is bringing out a different element of like, do you love mm-hmm. Christ? Do you love him? Do you not just believe in him, but do you love
0: him? Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And uh, that's just an interesting question to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that would be the question you could ask to a demon. Yeah. Do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you believe Jesus is the son of God? Yeah. Do you believe he died on the cross for sin? Yeah. Right. I mean, they would answer yes to Mm -hmm. every theological question I heard today. I was listening to a podcast. No, maybe it was yesterday. And they made this statement. The demons are some of the best theologians that have ever been. Mm -hmm. They know it all. Right. They know absolutely all of it. The problem is they do not have a sincere love mm-hmm. for it. God. That's it. And I don't want to separate, though, and we have to be careful. Uh, a sincere love is also a hardworking love, and in my opinion. If I really love God, then I want to work hard for him. I want to right. honor him. Same with you what know, we should be doing with our spouses. It's not right. a love we take for granted. Oh, I love my, my wife sincerely. When was the last time you showed her that? She knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like no she don't then because you have to work at that you have Mm -hmm. to wake up every day with a thought in your mind is i want to show her i love her today and how can i do that Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that because we talk a lot about grace yes and we talk about not earning yes but if i love god sincerely i am going to want to serve him and love him well in a way to do the things that he asked me to do. I want to go and spread the gospel. right? I, I want to uh, root sin out of my life as he shows me sin and do that horrible hard work of mm-hmm. pulling that sin out of my life. That that takes work. I can't just sit and keep praying, God, remove this sin, but I don't do anything to get it out. right? So there's this aspect of we should work hard to prove out our love for God. Again, not, mm-hmm. not so that he will love me. I know he loves me, mm-hmm. but I want to... Prove to him that I love him. The way I'm going to do it is I want to I want to serve him. I want to mm-hmm. honor him. I want to glorify him and the things that he calls me to and the things that he gives me or whatever it might be. And so, I think sometimes we can think uh, when we talk about this like sincere love or basking in the grace of God and not earning it that we're, what we're saying then is I'm just going to sit back. Mm-hmm, and, yeah, it's like no, mm-hmm. that that's not actually mm-hmm. what it looks like. And case in point with Peter, as you mentioned yeah. in the sermon, mm-hmm. if
3: do you love me? If you do. Feed my sheep, mm-hmm. meaning do something about it. <laughs> well, and also that, que- that, and that
1: question was cutting though, because Peter said, "I love you more than everybody else." Right. <laughs> yes. That's why he yeah, asked exactly. him that question, because Peter was trusting his mm-hmm. love yeah. for Jesus, mm-hmm. which I'm we thinking. see failed miserably which was failing. because yeah. he said, "I will die for you," right. and then he right. denies him. And that's him why, three why times. the Lord has right. to cut him right. down and say, yeah. "I know you do love me." But you don't. You you need to realize mm-hmm. that you are trusting your <laughs> yeah, love for me, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's where the old writers would say it was gratitude for grace received. That's mm-hmm. what this love is. Yeah, It's yeah. a grateful love. Mm-hmm. It's responsive. It, yeah. It's a responsive love. Yeah. It's 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 not trying to purchase anything mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. It's, it's just free now. Yeah. To serve God and to love Him.
0: It's just amazing how all this is wrapped together. Because as you know, just reflecting on Ephesians real quick, and we'll be done. But as we think about that, right, God has given us this great grace and love and out of gratitude, we want to serve him and honor him. Part of that is then, as church people, as members of a church, and what Paul's has been talking about in Ephesians so much is we be we are united on that grace. Where we, we are united. I'm not united to you because you live in Monroe. I mean that is a bystander of it. But I'm united to you guys because God's grace has been poured out on your life and mine as well. And so therefore, I should be willing to love you guys, love the church family, and they. we all should love each other in a way that God loves us. One that's filled with peace, with grace, love, faith, and so that means we're not looking bad at each other all the time, not always thinking negative about each other all the time, not always going, again, in that podcast I was listening to uh, yesterday, they, they talked about this. How so that's one of Satan's great schemes. hmm is for you to look at your church member and say, "Did you see how they looked at me? Did you? Did you? They didn't come to this, but then they went over here to this. They didn't do that. Blah blah blah." And that Satan just puts that stuff in our mind when God is constantly calling us to say, "You know, forgive one another. You know, uh, be gentle with one another. Care for one another. Think highly of one another." And if we would do that faithfully, if we if we would love in this way, with understanding of how God has loved us. He calls us now to love each other in this way. Then the church would then become a safe haven for what society does to everybody else. Cuz that society, it's a dog eat dog world. But then when you come to the church, it's not a dog eat dog world. It's a we love each other because he loves us undeserved and so I'm going to undeservedly love you. Right? Now don't get me wrong, there's reason we do things for each other and it becomes easier to love each other. But it's so easy for those little things to get in the way to being the church that God has called us to. And so I think it was a good question at the end of the sermon to ask, you know, like like Jesus did with Peter, do you love him? You know, when Paul ends this letter, grace be given to those who love him incorruptible. Does that include you? I I can only answer that question for myself. I can't answer that for other people. As much as you want to question people and all this, most, again, the demons know the answers. I, so you can give me answers. But do you? Do you love him sincerely? Do you have a desire to serve him? Now, you might not be doing that to the best of your ability right now, but do you love him sincerely? And I would say continue to grow in that, right? I I talked about the book of James. You know, James would kind of say, go prove it then, right? Go prove it with your works. Uh, and that's what we want to do. We don't want to earn anything with our works, but we want to show the world, show each other, this is what God has done to me, and this is now how it plays out. I love you. I care for you. I want to serve you. Here I am. Uh, and so hopefully we can be faithful faithful to do that. Well, you guys got anything else before I close up? No? All right. So Ephesians is over. Uh, we'll be moving on. Uh, this week Pastor Dave will be preaching because uh, I'll be away at youth camp getting youth camp ready, and then the next Sunday is Youth Camp Sunday. Pastor Scott will be preaching kind of a synopsis of the week of youth camp and what we went over there with all the students and adults who are there. Be praying for us as we go away for that. God God uses youth camp very often. Uh, Adam Sutherland will be our preacher there, so you can be praying for for him uh, during that week. Uh, But then we'll be getting into psalms. We'll be preaching some of the psalms uh, throughout the summer. I, I enjoy doing the psalms in the summer. I think that's a good, healthy thing to do. And then we potentially might be doing a series on worship, Uh, maybe a smaller Old Testament book as well before we get into uh, Timothy's and Titus, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, which we'll tackle. Probably be our next big New Testament thing that we tackle. So just so you have an idea of where we're going, uh, well, we thank you for listening today. It's always good to see you in worship, so we hope to see you this coming Sunday in worship, Lord willing. But until then, we hope that you have a blessed week. Thank you for listening.